Welcome to Vintage Burn. This is Kev. Marco. And Douglas. And we are doing albums from 1986. This is the Opinionated Pit segment that we've been doing. Uh, we're doing one on the fly here. It's like 12 in the morning, uh, Eastern Standard Time. So forgive us if we don't have everything together here, but we're very excited to bring you this year. And what we've decided to do going forward is we're going to do five albums each um, for the next year and beyond. Instead of doing three albums and a number one, we decided that we would just rather do five since we continue to add albums that we talked about. So, yeah. Um, Marco. Hey, whoever's moving, yeah, I'm going to have to start from scratch because there's a lot of mo- there's too much movement in the background. Yeah, I think. Marco, are you playing with your headphones and paper? I was writing. Yeah. Yeah, it's too much. Yeah, I can hear everything. Okay. Whenever you're fully done, so it's quiet. Or mute yourself. I'm ready. All right, hold on. Yeah, I'm good. Okay. Hold on. All right. Five, four, three, two, one. Welcome to Vintage Burn. I'm Kev. Margo. And Doug. And we are doing the Opinionated Pit segment. This is 1986 albums. We're just going to do something different than we usually do. We're going to do top five albums with our number one. We were doing top three with number one, but we decided to expand that since we ended up talking about a lot of records anyway. So we're going to go with our top five picks, and we're going to kick it off with Marco. Yeah, man, I'm going to go with the uh, first album I think I ever bought personally. I walked to my uh, cousin's – well, not walked, but I was at my cousin's house when I was like seven, eight years old, and I saw an Iron Maiden flag, and uh, I went out. My mom – I made my mom buy me uh, somewhere in time. Nice. And uh, that's my first record just because it's the first album I ever really bought and the first album that really got me into metal. Um, you know, it's just fucking great song. Uh, you know, great songs on it. Great album. Uh, I know a lot of people, some people shit on it because of the synthesizers, but, dude, come on. How could you fuck with yeah, no like, way. Caught Somewhere in Time? And, no way, man. Yeah. You know, Heaven Can Wait's got the you know repetitive chorus. The, the That's the big complaint. But, like, Deja Vu, great underrated track. Yeah, Alexander the Great. Let's learn some fucking history. Yep. You know? And I think I think maybe that's why I literally fall asleep to fucking history videos on YouTube every night. Dude, Stranger in a Strange Land? Oh. Such a good mm-hmm. track, man. Yeah. I think um th- is this the record you would say where Maiden started their staple repetitive vocal though to to get the listener to really like to draw people in? Maybe, but they did it with that with your boots on. Mm. If you're gonna die, if you're gonna die, mm-hmm. if you're gonna die, if you're gonna die, if you're mm-hmm. gonna die. <laughs> so I don't know, but but mm-hmm. but you're right. I mean, caught somewhere in time is basically caught somewhere in time over and over and over and over yeah, again. Yeah, they start to do it um, and have a kid wait. Yeah, it, it was certainly they were like, hey, it, they must have looked at statistics back then and said. Well, we became bigger because, like, if you repeat the vocal pattern and choruses, people sing along more, and, you know, it's just easier listening, right? So, I mean, we see that with Maiden now. That's all they do. Uh, it's a constant mm-hmm. fucking repetition. So they, they're they not stupid. They must have figured out a pattern 
uh, that works and, and it, and it works and they've stuck with that. So I can see that though on this record, um, in the synthesizer stuff, dude, I think they did a really good job at mixing prog and metal. I don't, I don't think it was over the top. Right. I agree with that. It was enough. Are you Duggo? Um, I've always enjoyed it. Um, not gonna lie, I, I don't say it's not my favorite Maiden album, but I just, I'm not as familiar, I mean, I know it, I know all the songs, I just like, uh, I'm just not as familiar as this one with the other ones, and I don't know why this one always kinda got skipped, but, all, overall though, solid album though. Also, one of my favorite Derek Riggs covers, I think it's fucking killer. All of the shit that he put yeah. into that album cover. Marco, talk about, you have a, a wonderful signed art piece from Derek Riggs. Yeah, yeah, I bought it off of you, as a matter of fact. Um, <laughs> yeah, I don't care. I don't mind saying it. I, I love the uh, picture. I'm not embarrassed of buying it. I mean, it's a really nice thing. You oh, paid for it, man. so it's, you know, I got to pay you for it. But, uh, yeah, it, it's basically a take on the album cover. And, uh, you know, I'm going to move for a second just so I can really look at it. It's right here, literally right here. So. Yeah, it's, um, yeah it's, it, it's, it's a piece of... It's a stranger it's, to strange land. Yep, it's a piece of art that he never released on the album um, that that he actually did. So he's got a he's got an actual screen print. It's um it's a limited edition screen print from Derek Riggs. You can't get it at this point. It's already sold out. But he's got one in his house, and it's uh I mean it's 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 a badass picture, man. It's 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 oh, basically it the Clint. It's like the Clint East Eastwood version of Eddie. Yeah. I know exactly. Yeah. What, I forgot about that. I know exactly what you're talking about now. Smoking a cigarette. <laughs> yeah, I think it's a take on. I like I said, I think it's a take on Stranger in a Strange Land. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because I think uh, if you look at the single for Stranger in a Strange Land, he has like that coat and everything. I'm pretty sure. I could be a little off on that, but. But any, dude, the cover's really what made me buy it. I remember the day I went to the store. I know we gotta move on because we're talking about a lot of records, so, but I'm just quick story. The day I went to the store though, it was this peace of mind. And I believe it was Seventh Sun just came out in 88. Cause I remember seeing that cover and I chose this for the cover. You know, so, and then you end up learning the meaning, like the 1158, the two minutes to midnight, you know, as you go and you listen to me and as you get older, you see all these little things included which is pretty cool i think it's his best artwork piece for maiden in my opinion that's what i'm saying man i think there's just so much and it it's such an awesome time piece like 86 you just think of like futuristic shit right back to the future and so forth mm -hmm. and he just fucking nailed it and just it's very cool man it's very uh it's like very japanese downtown tokyo feel yeah absolutely dude yeah what a badass cover I wonder if, like, the original painting, you can see, like, it says, like, Eddie lives on the right, Iron Maiden. I wonder if this was, like, a full painting, and they kind of just took half of it for the album cover, you know, if you really look at it. Yeah. Do yeah. you have it on vinyl, Doug? I don't. Oh, if you have it on vinyl, there's a gatefold edition that has the full picture. It's fucking excellent. I'm sure you could look it up and Google it, but... Oh, okay. Yeah, I'll have to... All right, yeah, I'll have to, because that sounds awesome. I love when they do that. They kind of all right, man. All right, Kev, go ahead. Number I'm gonna. My number one is going to be peace sells, but who's buying? 
from the mighty Megadeth. Oh my God, this is such a great record. Uh, a lot of people thought this was their first album. It's obviously not the first record. We already talked about Killing Is My Business and Business Is Good, but this is their first major debut release on Capitol Records. Um, artwork by Mr. Ed Repka, who ended up becoming a massive thrash icon artist. Um, Beautiful, beautiful art cover uh, featuring the one and only Ed, I mean, um, Vic Rattlehead. And um, for me, out of all of the songs, I mean, I could go through the whole list, but you should know this record. If you don't, then you should be ashamed of yourself. Um, For me, yeah, you fucked up. For me, personally, my favorite song is the last track on the album, My Last Words. It's just an incredible build up tune there are amazing tracks on this but that that's that's the build-up song um i'm glad you mentioned that because i was going to say that that's actually my favorite probably megadeth song uh of all of all time is my last words and hell yeah um and and i know we talked about this earlier like i i think this album would have been almost it's almost perfect but i don't know why they decided to slap i ain't superstitious in there i you know what doug i'm gonna say this i think it was the record label but, but why though? Because and why not? Why not like put it at the end bags. of it? No, they're douchebags. This is what people yeah. do. Like, hey man, you know what? I can hear your blues influence in your record. I think that we're gonna sell a million more copies if you did a uh, uh, a cover of super. You know, I am I'm superstitious or whatever the fuck it's called. Yeah, I ain't superstitious. I ain't. I ain't. This is how they do it, man. This is the problem. And Dave is probably like, yeah, that's cool. Okay, cool. Let's slap it on. No. It should have been a full-out Megadeth record. That's why I said yeah, you it, know what? it would have been number one for 86 for me. Like, period. If, if anything, cool. have, like, have like The Conjuring, side A, and then, like, I Ain't Superstitious as, like, a single. You know what I mean? Yeah. Kind of like Metallica did with, like, the Black Album shit, where it's, like, a, you know, a Black Album song and then, like, a cover song, you know? So it's kind of, you're drawing yeah. different crowds in. Yep. And Doug, I do agree with you what you said originally. I just think they should have switched. I think my last word should have been the second to last song. And I think I Ain't Superstitious should have been last. Because if you listen to it and you just want to hear the thrash, you can at least hear the seven songs in a row. And then the cover. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I don't know, dude. I like it personally, but I'm a Stevie Wonder fan, so I don't mind the cover. I just don't like the placement of the cover. Yeah. yeah I, just, know, I just don't like it. It just shits right on the flow of the album. Yeah, otherwise... Right, I, and, and I, I agree with that. It would have... This record might have been very, very difficult to beat uh, if they didn't have this at all, and they would have used another song, or maybe it would have just been a seven-song album, and that would have been fine, too, with a B-side. Or, or just put it last! Put, put it a last! Single, and it would, have made, it would have made all the difference in the world if you just put it last. But yep. just for a few other shout-outs for songs, man, The Conjuring might have, like, my favorite kind of, like, middle part ever, like, or the ending in general, when it, it's, like, the, uh, the, I don't know, dude, the riffage is just so good in it, and then, like, Good Morning Black Friday is an amazing song. Dude, the speed mm-hmm. on drums in Devil's Island is killer. So Great I song. Picked, I picked this, and I, this should have gone to Doug, because Doug has been a Megadeth fan longer than I have, and Marco even, actually, is even probably longer Megadeth fan than than Doug. But uh, Yeah, since I, before Doug. Yeah. I, I did this because, so for me, as a kid, this is the one record Doug may have showed me later, but I saw this early on when I was playing hockey, and Doug, you're pro- I don't know if you're going to love this or hate this, but Chris Mosier in Waltham introduced me to this album 
period. Hmm. He had it on he had it on CD, and he was like, "Hey, fuck all of the shit you listen to. You got to listen to the Megadeth." He showed me this cover, and I'm like looking at the CD as a kid, and I'm like, "What the hell is this?" And I look at the back, right, and it's got these scrappy looking dudes on this beautiful um ed ed repka artwork and it's just like random pictures of them on the back of the cd like kind of kind of just cropped in right you know what i'm talking about doug and marco you know how they just like Mm -hmm. them randomly and i'm like this artwork is so cool and then i see the guys from megadeth and they look very 80s you know totally out of place and i'm like okay whatever and we listen to this in the car and for me it really started to build up like at that point, man, I was, you know, I was listening to the black record and I was still very into like the mainstream rock world. Doug was starting to introduce me to stuff. And at a young age, like I heard Megadeth for the first time and I'm like, wow, this is something completely different from what I've been listening to. So it, that was my introduction to Megadeth and it stuck with me to this day. I mean, I remember that like listening to this band before I went to hockey just with some random dude, you know, when we played together on a team and it's never left me. And, uh, it's one of my favorite records, uh, to this day. Nice. Yeah. It's definitely one of those, um, it leaves an impression once you first hear it and it kind of never leaves yep. you. Yep. You know, it definitely sticks with you cause it makes such an impression on you. Yep. The other record, yeah, absolutely. Funny. Uh, the other record too, um, that, uh, that it's funny, right, right at that same time, like if, I think we went to a record store around that week was Nativity in Black when they did a, um, when bands were doing a, a Black Sabbath tribute for whatever reason. I don't know why. That still sticks with me to this day. Hmm. Yeah, good album too. Yeah, it's a fun one. Um, I didn't realize, Love um, it. Rust in Peace, and uh, Rust in Peace, Peace Cells is, uh, only 36 minutes long. It goes, it goes pretty No, it's not long at all. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, three, three minutes, four minutes. I blame Ain't I think their first three albums. (laughs) Yeah. No, but I think their first three records are under, like, well under 40 minutes. Because they only have eight songs each on them, so. Yeah, even with a couple of them, you know, five minutes, five minutes. um, Yeah, two minutes. I Ain't Superstitious is only 246, so, I mean, it makes sense. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, kind of. I think I think you're right. All right, Doug, he's another five or six minute song. It would have been, you know, obviously it would have been better. But anyway, Doug, you're number one. All right, number one. Yeah, you're. I mean, oh, you're whatever. Number, one yeah, of five. Whatever. whatever. Oh, okay. <laughs> um. <laughs> so, uh, in no specific order yet, but uh, I think this one definitely deserves some uh, some recognition. Uh, I'm going with um. Sacrifice, torment, and fire. Um, Halen from Canada, another one that's only like fucking 30 something minutes long, which I guess isn't surprising, but, um, it's got, uh, like homicidal breath, um, sacrifice, uh, turn in your grave, just a, just a fucking banger. This was very heavy and aggressive for, especially for 1986, like vocally, you know, I know the heavier vocals, like, um, you know, year before we had possessed and we've had like heavier venom vocals, but he, he starts to get the screeching down. Um, with the heavier vocals, and I think that's why this is kind of such an important album. Yeah, I, I have to agree, Doug. I mean, I think, like, this era, like, between them and, like, Slaughter, Strapato, which came out the following year, it just, like, Canada was almost kind of like, it's funny, because Canada, they're a Canadian band, if you haven't figured that out. 
but it's like half aggressive. Like you had them, you had Slaughter that was like and Razor that were really aggressive. Then you had the more refined bands like uh, Annihilator. Um, I can't Vo- think of another example, but there's Vo- more. Voivod, which which are a little bit yeah, Voiv. Sure, I mean a little prog with them or whatever, but. But with this, like, Sacrifices, I, it's funny, you took the song right out of Homicidal Breath. I love that. It's on my, like, uh, Thrash Essential playlist that I made personally. It's such a fucking good song. Oh. And uh, I remember seeing them at, like, MDF, and they just tore my fucking face off. But Dude. it also helps that you played, like, post-tank. It was, like, tankered than them. And whatever, whatever. But yeah, that was man, a yeah, that good was, record, dude. That was, that was a good day. I remember. I remember we were just fucking exhausted. It was like a million degrees out. And you're right, Tankard was playing, and if, so we were we were there at the Edison lot like most of the day. There was no fucking around that day. But um, it was hot. It was very it hot. hot. Um, but yeah, uh, dude, they like I said, live they they fucking killed it, and um, I don't think they've really played in the states anyway since or. So I'm hoping they come back around. I'm not sure. I'm hoping they come back around. Cause, That'd be uh, great. But such a fucking band. Well, what's up with the al? What's up with the album cover? What is going on? I can't find like a big enough picture of it to really, really look at it. it they look like kind of um, it's like the Neverending Story, like the dog from the Neverending Story, but like as a but a skeleton, w- weird red skeleton, and he's got a couple of buddies. Yeah, that's like that's what it's always reminding me of. It makes it, it's cool looking, but it makes no sense whatsoever. Like it, I don't know what the. Uh, I do like like the fire in the background. That's pretty cool. <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure what's going on, but I always I always enjoy the cover though, just because it's so good it's bad. Yeah, or so bad it's good. <laughs> it's hilarious. Get hey, Kevin, I know you're not really a, a sacrifice guy, so Doug do you have anything? Or? He no, I got nothing. He tried for years, but I I just couldn't do it. Couldn't do sacrifice. Not my jam. Understood. I get it. I get it. I mean, it is. It's uh, you know, if you're into the more refined stuff, it's not going to be your jam. He tried. You know, he but yeah, no, I slip in some yeah. sacrifice that bad. <laughs> some stuff stuck. <laughs> I call it the spaghetti syndrome with Kevin. Like you throw as much as you can at him and see what sticks. You know what I mean? And see what he can take. Yeah. Yes. See what sticks. Yeah. And some things do. Some things don't. I'm just glad you know. And he's shown me a ton too. You know, you both have. That's why I love doing this. Especially discovering albums in the years that I just kind of looked over. Doug, when I'm 50, mm-hmm. I'll tell you how much I love sacrifice, okay? When what? When I'm 50. Marco, are you, are you typing really loud, Marco? Doug, stop. I'm yeah. sorry. I'm, not, I'm trying not to. I'm getting my next album prepared. Marco, I apologize. stop but... masturbating while we're podcasting. <laughs> well, we're doing this on the fly, and I like to like have information on the album if I can. I got my next album lined up. So whenever you guys are ready for that, I got it. We're ready. We're ready. If you stop masturbating, it's for you. All eyes are on you. All ears. All ears are on you. All right. All penises. My next pick is one of my favorite records from this year. Um, And it's brought to you by kind of a hardcore band, but this is kind of considered a a crossover, so I'm going to include it. It's uh, Agnostic Front Cause for Alarm. Nice. Uh, Actually, really surprised to see that it it got rated by All Music and Kerrang! Four Stars and Up. Uh, Really good record. Um. I know this is another one Kevin doesn't really know much about. I know Doug, actually, I was surprised that you knew about it when we first met. And uh, you were talking about this one record. I don't think you know any other Agnostic Front record, though, do you? No, I know um, Elimination. Victim in Pain. Yeah, Vic- oh, Victim in Pain, yeah. And, um, what, the fucking Justice one, whatever I'm, the third one was. 
Uh, Liberty and Justice. Okay. Liberty and Justice, yeah. But anyway, this album, uh, The Eliminator, dude, straight up, uh, right off the bat, it shows their, their, their transformation from just a pure 40 second minute long song band into, you know, the songs are still short. There's only one, two songs literally over three minutes on this album, but nothing under a minute, which like is like their whole first record. But The Eliminator kicks off with a really heavy thrash, uh, Thrash riff, as Doug will tell you. And then, you know, uh, Public Assistance is a very controversial song. Uh, you can look into that if you want, but it's, it's, it's criticizing how I think it's kind of talking about, and I could be wrong. That's why I don't really want to talk too, too in depth about it, but I think it's about like the welfare system now. It's kind of one sided towards, you know, so, you know, a certain, <laughs> see, that's why I don't want to talk about it. Yeah. No, I know it. I mean, but it, it's controversial. Typo Negative went to to sing about the same thing in the same respect, you know, a couple years later. So it's kind of yeah. on the minds of New Yorkers, I think, right? They're from New York? They are, yeah. Okay, just making sure. I mean, uh, basically, uh, Ignacio Freda considered the godfathers of New York hardcore, so. Okay, well, that makes sense. Sorry, I'm just trying to mm-hmm. I'm looking for a certain lyric for my next one. <laughs> Yeah, um, so Doug, yeah, what do you got on this album? I know you like this album, so you you have at least uh, something to say about it. Yeah, I just, when I first heard it, um, you know, I knew they were super iconic. I remember seeing Just once I heard the speed, um, and like the, the, um, the political aspect too, you know, it was kind of, kind of did it for me too you know it's like we're here we're gonna sing fast and we get something to say you know what's a better uh mm-hmm. and, so yeah like, and going back to it doug um i'm just gonna tell you jerry jello biafra of the dead kennedys and fancy maximum rock and roll have criticized agnostic front for the controversial lyrics of the song public's assistance written for the band by then carnivore frontman Peter Steele. Ah, okay. <laughs> mm-hmm. Wow. Okay. And then there's a similar song for his new band on Typo Negative named Der Untermenched, or whatever, that appeared on Slow, Deep, and Hard. Yeah. Hey, you, on public assistance. So there you go. Why don't you get a job? <laughs> wow. Smoke some... Well, you know what? I just learned something I didn't know about the album because you mentioned it and it made me actually look into it, is Peter Steele actually wrote the lyrics for that song. Okay, oh, that, front album. that makes a lot of sense because he he was very well. I mean, he was a, he's a he was a trash man, you know. So he probably saw the ins and outs and the the good sides and the bad sides of just you know the dirtiest mm-hmm. city in the world, you know. Oh, right. yeah, that's cool. See, so that's why I do this for fun. But just facts. one one final fact about this album, I just want to mention: it runs at a at a a hefty fucking uh, lengthy, a lengthy, I should say, 23 minutes and 48 seconds. Uh, Doug, to be politically correct, he was a waste removal uh, employee of the city of New York. You're right. I'm so he sorry. worked for the mafia. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Who's next? I believe Mr. Barrios. Ah. Okay, I'm going to go with 1986's Rage for Order from Queensryche. Hmm, Great record. Okay. And Marco and I just got to see Jeff Tate, uh, what, in the last six months? Yeah, last six months. 
yeah, per- yeah, something perform like that. this album live front to back, and it was fucking killer, man. Um, I mean, I, I think people know this record. I mean, of course, you you must know "Walk in the Shadows." Um, I dream in infrared. I dream in infrared. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, it's a killer record. Uh, super progressive for the time. Just all sorts of weird shit incorporated in the music. You know, I wouldn't say it's a super heavy record, but there are such killer tunes mixed into the the music. And um, it was it was defining for this band for sure. I mean, it, it put them on the map. Yeah, I'm going to say this, Kevin. I think uh, what I like about Queens, right, is they were never scared to try something. Right. And I think this album was a little bit off the map. Like, I mean, if you go back to the album before this, which is um, Warning, which is more of a pure metal record, this this definitely took them in a whole different direction. And it showed that they were not scared to fucking try things. No. And I commend them for it. Yeah. You know, I commend them for it. And then the album after this is obviously their most famous record, which is Operation Mind Prime. And so you you see where they take it. You know what I mean? And I, and I think that's like, to me, those are their three best records right in a row. Because it just shows you every album is so different. And that and that's the one thing I'll always appreciate about it, especially 1980s Queensryche. I'm not going to speak on their 90s shit or what they do currently, because I actually don't even really know much about the current stuff. Even though I love their, their, their you know, we all have love for their new vocalists, but um, but yeah, this, man, fucking, this it's a is good record, wicked, dude. Like, yeah. I, I, I could listen to this shit all the time. This is very experimental. I think the new stuff is very much, um, in the vein of warning. I mean, if you listen to all three of the new records, they, they basically are right. sticking with the warning. But you're right. Like the old school. But experimental wise, between this and Operation Mindcrime, the experimental off-time signature changes and everything that they did on this record and then in the next record have been unmatched. They're not, they just haven't done that. Maybe, maybe we will. Maybe we'll get an Operation Mindcrime, um, mm-hmm. you know, with, uh, um, what the fuck's his name? Um, Latore. Yeah, Todd, Todd, Todd Latore. Todd, Todd Latore. It's very possible, mm-hmm. but right now they're definitely staying in the vein more of the, the warning. Even I would I'll even, be uh, I would even say their Queensrÿche uh, EP. I mean, you introduced me to that, Marco. So the Queensrÿche EP is fucking killer. It is. But my one, one my one beef on this record is going to get close to you. That song is like, let's go take a piss song when you go see him when we saw him live. <laughs> you know, it's we like the too. piss song. We definitely got to pee. Do it then. <laughs> I, and unfortunately, it's like the only the fourth song. So even if you don't got a piss, you got to force one out. It's fucking ridiculous. I don't understand because it wasn't even written. It was written by Lisa Dalbello. Yeah, Dalbello is what I'm saying. Something yeah, tells something me like this was like a, um, uh, I don't know, somebody again. I feel like, you know, again, when people actually listen to record labels, nobody listens to the label anymore. People were like, fuck you, get mm-hmm. out of my goddamn booth. But back then they were like, this is going to be so fucking cool. We got to, you know, some douchebag took a line of coke and was like, yeah, we got to have this song <laughs> on the album. It's going to be so fucking cool. And they were like, yeah, let's do it. All right, you're right. It's going to mm-hmm. be awesome. No, no, it was a really bad decision that some douchebag that, you know, sits at a computer talking about music was like, oh, let's, um, let me, let me write you a song. You guys should put it on your record. That's all it was. 
Doesn't make sense. Mm-hmm. Doesn't yeah. make sense. Again, put it put it last on the fucking album. Yeah. You think maybe yeah, he's just it. like, hey, I, I, maybe he's like, I have a girly bladder and I just want to write a song that people can pee to because I go to shows and I never get a chance to pee because they're all good songs. He wants no, a shit song. This Because this album's so strong, it really is weird. It is. When all of a sudden it kicks yeah. into, I'm gonna get closer to you. And it's like, it's just like random like 80s drum. It's not even real drums. It's like the electronic drum beats and... Dude, the, mm-hmm. they so were probably weird. going for that like that edgy ballad that was gonna catch on. That was gonna be the big, the big money maker maybe. And then they, were, you know, I don't know. Uh, uh, for yeah, well, either way, superstore subject, yeah. assholes. Yeah, yeah. Do, do you remember what happened at that show? Thing. What you happened at that show? Um, I, I bought a ticket to it, and uh, <laughs> so Kevin's like, "Hey, buy a ticket." I was with Kevin. I'm at his house. He's like, "Dude, you buy a ticket?" Yet? No, I'll do it right now. And I buy it for fucking Sunday because I didn't think that he he was gonna show up to a small venue and play the same thing twice in a row at a small venue. So I bought the fucking come to find out I bought the wrong day and then couldn't make it to the other day and then couldn't even give the ticket away. I got stuck paying forty five dollars. God damn it! Hey, you know what? That shit happens. Uh, yeah. He thanks you, uh, J- uh, Jeff yeah. Tate. Thanks you for he your does. contribution. All right, Doug. Jeff. Jeff and it's, it's, I'm sure years we call him Jeff Taint. Yeah, for years we call him. It is. It's revenge. <laughs> Karma. And I just, I just want to end this with just saying this album. It just shows you because how experimental it was. It, you know, I, I see like five reviews. Like all music gave it two stars out of five. Uh, no uh, Collector's Guide to Heavy Metal gave it seven out of ten, which is a Doug rating. Uh, Kerrang, five stars. Rock Hard Germany, nine and a half. And Rolling Stone Album Guide gave it two and a half. So it just kind of shows you that it's got very mixed reviews. Yeah, um, but I love it. I think it's yeah, a great, it's great fucking record. It did take me a few listens to get into it. So if you listen to it, please listen to it two or three times because I think that's what it really takes. I will, I will listen you know? and sing along but, to Gonna Get Closer to You, but it is the weakest track on the album. By far, by far. Yeah. Dougie. Uh, Yo. What you got? All right. I'm going to slap in number two with um, probably one of my top five thrash of all time. Uh, Whiplash, Power, and Pain. Yeah. Awesome. I was hoping you would pick this. I was fucking waiting for it. Dude, and I got really excited when we were doing 1985, and then I'm like, fuck, no. I realized it was 86, so I got excited that it was 86. We get to talk about it. Uh, Just, dude... uh, if if you're familiar with the album, super banger, um, very very thrashy, very fast. Um, and the, the lyrics too, um, they have a way of writing the lyrics in this album where they're like kind of like, I don't say fun, but a little bit edgy, a little bit. Marco knows what I'm talking about, and that's what I was trying to look up a minute ago. Oh, yeah. They have a song called the Red Bomb, and the, the, one of the um, verse <laughs> it's it's about a redheaded prostitute, and. Uh, yeah. So the main chorus is uh, hand over your cash for the right price, she'll give you the gash. <laughs> and dude, like once you hear Which it, is just, super fucking yeah. classy. Oh dude, yeah, no like <laughs> down on Twenty Seventh Street. Oh yeah, dude, the, just the lyrics alone, like, and that's it's it's not just a song. Like if you really like listen to the lyrics, it, it just it's actually kind of a fun yeah. album in that sense too. But um, but then you got like. Power thrashing, death, stirring the cauldron, spit in your grave, nailed to the cross, message of blood, last man alive. It's just a 
Front to back is an absolute War banger. War fucking monger, bro. War monger. War monger. Yeah, dude. War and, monger uh, is such a good song. So the original lineup was, uh, I don't know their names, but it was basically three dudes all named Tony. So the big joke you was You want like, me to tell you? Um, sure, if you have it there. Tony Pertaro, yep. Tony Bono, and Tony Scaglioni. Jesus, how many fucking Tonys do you need in one band? Yeah, a lot of It was a three-piece, so three Tonys. Which, for that's even more impressive that it's a three-piece, because this album sounds like there's a full band, there's just so much going on. And uh, Marco and right, I man. have had the pleasure of meeting Tony, was it Pazazzi? Pertaro. Pataro, Pataro. Um, Pataro, yeah. A few times. And I actually have, a, I think I've talked about this in the cast before. I actually have a picture of me and my mother and Tony on a little boat in the middle of the fucking ocean going from the 70K cruise ship to uh, whatever island it was at the time. And I'm, I remember thinking to myself, if you told me like when I was like 16, you know, that I would be on a fucking ship with or a little ship with my mom and Tony in the middle of the ocean, I'd think you were on drugs. And then I'd ask you if I could have some of those drugs, but, um, mm-hmm. then the one thing we met him multiple times now. And the one thing I always wanted to ask him, there's a, a very famous, um, uh, live album they did in like 1986 in New York with like crumb suckers and a few other bands at the time. And, um, they do a mm-hmm. song called, he's like, this is a song of our, you know, next album called cyanide grenade. And then it's never made it to another album. It's only on that fucking live album. And I love the song. Mm-hmm. And this is one of those things I just wish I I asked him, you know, the few times you met him. But yeah, I got a few little facts about this. Um, so this album was actually I didn't know this until recently was considered actually a crossover record. A lot of people in the hardcore community really appreciated this album, and I never thought that until I saw it. Whoever drew the cover, I can't remember his name, and it, it's funny it's not on here, so I can't tell you his name, but. Uh, he did a lot of hardcore records as well. Uh, I'm pretty sure he did the Agnostic Front Cause for Alarm record and everything like that. I'm pretty sure oh. he's the same guy. And he did the Carnivore record. Okay. Uh, but I can't think of his name. But anyway, um, yeah, I guess it's considered a, uh, you know, a crossover record. And then, just so you know, Pete Steele, Louis Beto from Carnivore, Vinny Stigma, and Rob Kabula from Agnostic Front all did backing vocals on this record. So oh. anytime you can hear gang vocals... It's those four dudes, you know. Um, and then another little fun fact is Tony Scaglione on the, I believe it was the Rain and Blood tour. Uh, I, I don't know what happened to Labardo. Maybe he got sick or he had to leave for a little while, personal reason, whatever it was. But he played drums on their tour. Wow. So he played for Slayer as well. Um, Dude, that's and this awesome. is an argument that I got into with Duncan about four times. This is how fucking like mindless and, and uh, narcissistic this fuck is. Is he, uh, he literally, like, <laughs> we got into this argument for, like three or four times, and the dude literally looked it up three or four times within, a, a, like, a, like months. And I'm like, dude, he played for Slayer. He's like, no, he didn't. I'm like, he didn't play on an album, but he played live. He was a member of Slayer live. And he's like, no, he didn't. And then he looks it up, and he's like, yeah, oh, you're right. And we had to go through this, like, three fucking times. <laughs> fucking asshole. I love it. I love you, Duncan. But you're a fucking asshole. But, yeah. No, but good record. I have like four versions of the T-shirt. <laughs> yeah, as Doug knows, you see me wear it. It's like fucking worn out and cracking all over the place. Yeah, it's one of my favorite uh, albums. And, and another quick fun fact, and, I, and I'll stop because I, I know I'm fucking going on here. But uh, 
Doug, uh, it's funny, I've heard of this band, but I never really gave him the chance. But when I met Doug in like 2010, 2011, whatever it was, uh, Doug was like, dude, you, you got to listen to this album. And so now Doug on my phone, under contacts, you know what Doug's name is? Red Bomb? Come on, guess. Whiplash. Nice. I Doug on that. my phone is known, is Whiplash, literally Whiplash. It's not Doug. So there you go. All these years later, it's stuck. I love, I, you know, mm-hmm. I, I love it. I, I was able to show you an album, like, like once again, like you've shown me tons. And you know, I'm sure our, we'll get to one in the next year or two called Power Mad, Absolute Power, but we'll get to that when we get to that. But there are pictures of Slayer with Tony Scaglione. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. He plays all him. over the yeah, internet. Absolutely. All over the yep. internet. Yeah. They're everywhere, man. Dude, that that's quite the like to fill in on Slayer. What was the Rain of Blood tour? I believe. I, I yeah. could be a little off. Could have been the next record, but I think it was. The uh, Tour, yeah. yeah, dude, eighty-six, man, eighty-six. Mm-hmm. Hey, good for him, man. That's that's quite the. Not many people can say they like randomly filled in on, you know, for Lombardo and on the Rain of Blood tour. Yeah, he's all over it, Doug. If you look at eighty-six, man, there's like millions of pictures of him all over eighty-six, dude. It's crazy. It's crazy. Mm-hmm. Wow. Oh, wow. Yeah, even 1988. So he did. I don't know what happened, but he did two years with them. What with with Slayer? Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was. It was. I don't think they booted Lombardo. I think it was like a personal reason. I could be wrong, but but I'm pretty sure they didn't boot Lombardo officially till like '92 or something like that. So yeah. So 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 this was the inner workings of problems to go to start. This is right. where it started. Yeah, they had off and on problems with them. Yep, makes sense, mm-hmm. man. Right. Yeah. I'm excusing myself for one second. You should. That's fine. You should excuse yourself. I, I I have to pee, and people don't like it when I pee on the on the on the cast. Too much yeah, streaming. Streaming okay. for vengeance. Well, we're gonna go back to Marco then. Here we go, Marco. It's your pick. All right. Um, I'm gonna go with the Cinderella Night songs. No, I'm nice. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I do like that album, but that's not something I would pick. I actually do. I actually do like that record. Yeah, it's not bad. Um, I'm I'm actually like fucking don't know what to pick because I uh, I need you. I needed Doug, I think, for my next pick because I don't think you're gonna really know my next pick. What is so, it? Give me two seconds. Ah, fuck it. We'll just go with it. Destruction, eternal devastation. Uh, so German. Um, Came out, you know, same time as Creator. Very, very influential. Uh, one of my favorite, probably, German records of all time. And Destruction is probably my least favorite out of the German big three or four, whatever you want to call it. But this album, to me, and their next album, released for Magony, uh, are two of my favorite thrash records. And, again, another eight-minute, you know, eight-track, uh, no, seven-track album, I'm sorry. 34 minutes and 55 seconds. Uh, I'm going to say one song, and I think it it's basically defines the album's Curse the Gods. And uh, I know Doug knows the record. That's why I was, you know, go trying to find something else that we both know, because Doug is peeing. I'm back. There, there you go. go. He's talking about Destruction. Destruction, Eternal Devastation, Curse the Gods. Oh, yeah. Yeah, good. I'm glad I'm glad you picked this one. Um, Once again, like 1985, dude, so many... 19- Fucking albums. 1986. You know I, mean? I said like 1985. 
Oh, so, I got you. I'm sorry. So many albums, and like I was, you know, I was afraid. And we don't normally discuss besides like the the number one, number two, maybe number three, but like so the rest is kind of at random. So sometimes we'll both pick one, or we'll both, you know, think we're each gonna pick one and miss it. So I'm glad you picked this one, dude. It's uh another fucking uh just super fast. Uh, trying to pull up the album cover. I just want to make sure I'm thinking of the right album cover. Yeah, but, it's the um, one with the three heads. It looks like a tornado over a city. Okay, yeah. Um, Kev, you never really got into destruction, did you? Never. Yeah. I think it's. I think Kevin doesn't like German uh, vocals because he doesn't like yeah. Sodom. He doesn't like Creator. He doesn't like Destruction. Yeah, or Tankard. and he doesn't like Tankard. Yeah, so love Scorpions though. Fuck. I do love me some Scorpions. Yeah. Yeah. And he doesn't like UFO. I don't mind UFO, but I don't love them. Yeah, I don't. Yeah. 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 Okay, yeah. Um, I actually yeah. do. You know, maybe uh, one of these days I'll get you drunk enough. You might, you might bob your head to a couple like, tonic thrash metal. Uh, yeah. Where does Tankard place? You say where do they play? Place. Where, where do they place? Where are they from? Oh, Germany. Oh, they're from. Oh, all right. Frankfurt. I don't mind Tankard. I don't mind Tankard. Okay. All right. They, they, maybe they'll be the gateway. It'll be the gateway. Uh, It'll be the gateway. And real quick, before we get off it, I know this one isn't going to be a long one, but I just want to shout out a couple more songs on this record. Life Without Sense, got to be one of their best songs. Eternal Band, another one of their best songs. And every every song's good, but those probably are the top three. Curse the the Gods, Life Without Sense, Eternal Band. Curse the Gods. All great shit. Yeah. And this is the first album where they had decent production, too. Yes, I was actually going to say that because I, I do like the other al- older albums before this. Um, the p- the pup definitely the fir- proves you German. The, he's approving of German metal. <laughs> mm-hmm. Doug loves the German metal. I do. He loves that German sa- Scheiße. The Scheiße, dude. You know, I I kind of want to have like a um like U.S. thrash versus German thrash kind of like is it, debate. I have to ask, why is it German thrash they have a raspier vocal? Why They have more of a death metal vocal. I think it's because their English sucked. And they sang all in English, and I think it was a way to mask it. Okay. I could see that. Absolutely. But I could be wrong. I don't know if that's what it is, but I know they intentionally did it to be more brutal. Like, but, cause even the music is a little more brutal for the time, in my opinion. You know, maybe discounting Slayer, but Slayer had slick production. You know, like, uh, Rick Rubin with 1986's Rain and Blood had slick production. Exactly. Like, a lot of these bands didn't have, cause you, you got obsessed by Cruelty that came out this same year, right? By, by Sodom. Yep. And it's very, it's a great record. And I, I, I'm thinking Doug's gonna pick it. I'm not sure. I hope he does. But <laughs> it, it's just the production's a little more raw. And then obviously you have uh, Creator, you know, Pleasure to Kill. This this year for German thrash is unbelievable. It, it, it's probably the pinnacle. Mm. Yeah, um, especially um, what we'll get to when we get to it. But um, but yeah, super 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 big year for uh, for German thrash. And not and there's a ton of other bands too, other than like the big four. Beverly shit too. I think uh, Angel Dust is German, right? Or am I making that up? Yes. 
Yes. Yeah. No. 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 I believe you're right. I believe. I. I. I could be wrong too, but I believe you are right. I believe. Possibly assassin. I can't remember if they are or not. Or uh, what do they call them? Ass. Assin. Oh, assassin. <laughs> yeah. 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 Just like an leader is a anal eater. Anal in Germany. Anal eater. Yeah. Anal eater. Germany. But anyway, again, yeah. 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 But who's next to move on? Because. I think we've exhausted our destruction talk. Uh, yeah. Am I after you, Marco? You Where's are. Kevin? I don't remember. I just know where I stand. Uh okay. Oh, that was you? Yeah. I guess, well, shit. I guess that would be me. That would be my uh, my third pick. Let me see. I'm going to, uh, I got to go through the list now because. The ultimate sin, bro. Just go with yeah, it. Yeah. All right. I'll I do ultimate sin. It. Yeah. I'll do ultimate yeah, sin. Why not? Ozzy Osbourne, The Ultimate Sin. How could I not pick this record? Uh, I mean, for me, one of my favorite records, uh, I, this is the last great Ozzy record featuring his other guitar player, Jakey Lee, another young dude, um, on guitar. Uh, just a phenomenal album, man. I mean, everybody knows the, uh, song Ultimate Sin, but man, there are so many other killer tracks in here. The album cover is fucking awesome. Actually, I can't remember who. I don't know what artist did this album cover, but it's got a very uh, like a almost like a comic book feel to it. Um, and it's great. It's just like, yeah, it's it's a killer great record, album man. cover. I'm, Marco, can you try finding it? I can't for some reason. My computer's not. I'm doing it right now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah, it does. It looks very, like you said, like very sci-fi. Yeah, he's a he's um, a fucking like dragon. He's like a dragon beast with some crazy like. Uh, but the character of the female that they have on the front, it is it's definitely it has to be some type of uh, comic creator that made that album cover. Yeah, she said it was uh, a a guy by the name of Boris Vallejo. Yeah, I wonder. Huh. Does it say what else me, he did? Let me look him up. Know? Keep going. Keep going. Let me look him up, his actual name, and maybe I can find other stuff he's done. Yeah, I mean, it, it's it, it's just such a killer record. As far as songs go, I mean, I, I, I don't know if anybody understands this, but, I mean, Killer of Giants for me is my favorite track on that, dude. The, the Jeffrey right. Lee solo is fucking phenomenal in that. Lightning Strikes. I mean, ah, oh, God. Amazing, amazing album, man. This is this is like an this is that record for Ozzy. People just skip, and I don't I don't get why they do that. They like they they don't they listen to Bark at the Moon and then they skip this and then they go right to the Zach Wild crap. And they this is this is like the last great Ozzy record. All right, real quick though, before we move on, and I do Killer of Giants is my favorite track on the record, but he did Bark at the Moon. Uh, he did uh, No Place for Disgrace oh. by Flotsam and Jetsam. He yep. did uh, The Ultimate Sin. Wow. And that's it. That's all they got. There's like, like there's a few more records. He actually, he did uh, a Molly Hatchet album cover, which Molly Hatchet album covers are the most metal thing without being a metal album. E- yes. One, uh, was, I couldn't tell you how many I bought over the years, like when I was younger, like, fuck, this, this looks awesome. It's yeah. going to be a good album. Nope. Well, no, that's not good, but it's not when you're 15 looking for 
discovering some new metal album, you put Molly Hatchet, and it's not. No, but you think you, you think you fucking get Manowar records, you know? <laughs> yeah, Manowar records. <clears throat> even though I don't even like Manowar, but but I'm gonna a, a quick fun story about this one is in my high school. I don't know if you guys had this experience. We had a a jukebox in our high school that had like Ozzy and Metallica and like more mainstream metal, but you know, it was just in general, but on the wall, uh, a bunch of kids drew album covers and they're massive. They had to have been like three feet by three feet, maybe four feet by four feet. They were big. And somebody actually drew the ultimate sit album cover. So every day eating lunch, I would just stare at that fucking album cover. Wow. No sh- And, wow. um, it was fucking pretty cool. And I wish I could find pictures of it, dude, so I could show you guys. I wish we had camera phones, because I know I would have taken pictures of it back then. But we're talking 1994, guys, 1995, so that shit wasn't available. I but uh, another song I really love on this album, and I don't know why, I don't know if it's considered a good song or not, but I love it. It's called It's Secret Loser. Yeah, dude, really Secret Loser fucking is fucking awesome. Amazing. Yes, absolutely, yeah. Marco. This yeah. is the This album... This is where, again, Metallica were touring uh, Master of Puppets on this album. And this was, you know, Ozzy was at his height. He was doing stadiums and he was bringing bands like Metallica from 86 on tour with him. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, there was so, could you imagine this tour? Oh man, it would be awesome. Yeah, it would have been good, but but this that's also known as a tour when Metallica was blowing them off the stage. Yeah, because people were like, "This is okay. when Metallica really started getting famous." Was on this tour. I, I think on this tour there was a lot of excess going on, and I think you know Ozzy up until this album, literally, I think No More Tears is kind of where he cleared up his shit for the most part. Yeah, but, but I, I think on this album I, he was full blown drinking fucking four four handles of fucking Jack or sure, whatever. Sure, but I, but but again with Ozzy, here's the thing, right? He's always been in every metal scene that he's he's hit the um he's plateaued, right? He plateaued in the '70s with Sabbath, and then he recreated himself in the '80s. But I mean, by mid '86, mm-hmm. it's hard. There was so much happening, and there was so much. Yeah, people people wanted faster harder rock in the eighties and, and Ozzy was like, oh, I'm still doing what I'm doing. And he was successful at it, but he wasn't getting harder. This, this record, this isn't harder than any of the other three records before it. Oh, not at all. Not at all. No, and not even same, as hard as the pace. next one. I still think it's the same pace yeah. as the last three. So, so oh, Ozzy was I, like, I'm doing the same shit, mm-hmm. you know? And by 86, we were, we already talked about this in 85. We were already fucking, there were so many goddamn splits in the tree. We had so many branches branching off from mm-hmm. rock and roll that Ozzy just couldn't keep up. He was Ozzy Osbourne. So it's either you're going to continue to listen to Ozzy or you're going to start listening to black metal, death metal, thrash metal. I mean, that, that was the thing. There was so, there was too much going on, man, to keep up. You're right. I get it. I get it. Great record. Great record. Agreed. And then obviously Great Shot record. in the Dark is the one that, you know, the radio single, I would imagine. Yeah. It was. Absolutely. Yeah. I remember the video and everything for it. Yeah. But move it on, Doug. What do you got? All right. Um, clock it in number three. <clears throat> 
And and this is just gonna end up in like a five hour conversation about Jason Newstead, but that's, that's okay. why I'm moving it along. That's why I'm moving it along. Um, dude, I'm going <laughs> Flotsam and Jetsam dooms, Doomsday for the Deceiver, man. Holy fuck! Like, hey, I'm gonna, real quick, real quick before you go on. That was gonna be my next pick because I was getting concerned it wasn't gonna get picked, but I had a feeling <laughs> you were gonna do it. So go on. Yeah, dude. Um, just such a fast fucking banger. J- Jason Newstead on this alone. He plays that fucking bass guitar like a lead guitar, and um, that's why going from this to like Injustice for All, where we'll never hear the real reason why. I heard something came out the other day that they interviewed James years ago, and it's like, oh, we were just tired, we didn't, you know, we were just so exhausted. I'm like, dude, fuck you, fuck you, you were. No, so, they, they purposely they purposely made that record. They fucked him purposely so that you didn't have to hear it. Because they were just being bitches. They didn't want him to be. I hate to say it, he might have been better than Cliff at some points. He was he was super technical, man. He, he dude, yeah. I mean, once again, I mean, for anyone who knows this album, they'll know exactly what we're talking about. This dude, like Iron Tears, Desecrator, like yeah, they were pissed that he was. They they were pissed that he was really really fucking good. Which doesn't yeah. make sense because they picked him. I I don't understand it. But. Yeah, he he was a scapegoat. I, I mean, it's not his fault that you know poor Cliff died. You know what I mean? Like he shouldn't have been. He should have been part of like the new. They had no problem when he played on the Black Album. And they made millions and millions and millions and millions. You know. Well, we all we all saw some kind of monster, and if he didn't, it's better off that he didn't. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, my favorite my favorite thing about this record though, it was featured on the couch in Sleepaway Camp Part Two. Yeah, fuck yeah. For no reason whatsoever. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I believe... Along with... Yeah. Uh, Death Angel too, I think, right? Or at least it was on the wall. That's what I was just about to say. Along with Death Angel's uh, The Elder Rounds was on the wall. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. It was I like love... it looked like it was like a calendar almost. Yeah, it was just kind of slapped on there. And like, if you didn't know, you wouldn't know. But when you know, you're like, fuck, I know what that is. Like, mm-hmm. dude, and gotta be one of like my favorite worst album covers of all time. Like... Uh, it, the worst, but the best. That's the what I'm saying. Time. Like, yeah, my favorite. It's just, yeah. it's so fucking bad. It's excellent. And I remember, yeah, yeah. I get, I remember getting like an earlier pressing when me and you were in, I think Danvers when that record shop was there. And uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I brought you there. It's still around if you ever want to go, but it's in Beverly now. It moved. Oh, they moved. Um, and another one I wish I got that day was um, that fucking the the Stormwitch album. And now it's like a friggin' seventy dollar record. I'm kicking myself. Oh, really? And yeah, they had it. They had it yeah, oh, I remember they had another record. I didn't. Rec- I didn't realize it was Stormwitch, but yeah, that's fucking awesome. Yeah, I'm kind of kicking myself, but I remember. Well, it's get- not awesome. You didn't buy it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I remember getting this on tape, um, you know, a million years ago. But then I remember, like, really, uh, when I used to plow, I had a backhoe that had a a tape deck in it. And I remember just popping this and Painkiller over and over and over and over for like, I'm talking like. 20, 30 fucking hours on end. You know, this is before iPhones and iPods and shit like that. And it's just, this album just really stuck with me. Um, yeah, and who, whoever's familiar with both, I'm going to ask you the same question. And if you're not familiar, you don't have to answer, but Overkill's Hammerhead or or uh, Flotsam's Hammerhead? Ooh. That's tough. Um, uh, I'm going to go with Flotsam, dude. I'm sorry. Yeah. Yeah, you you're a blow jo- blow job man yourself, are you? <laughs> Give me a hammer, hey, right? That's what the song's about. I was getting getting head, probably. 
No, I it agree. is. 100%. 100%. Yeah, is it really? Oh, fuck it. Dude, read the lyrics, man. I think there was even a video. Uh, I, I, maybe I got to read them a little further, yeah. Yeah, it's both like I a bean or an alley. Slightly, but they're, yeah, they're both great, though. But I yeah. prefer. You know what's funny? <coughs> like three songs. Exhorter's Desecrator or Flocked <laughs> with the Jetsons Desecrator. Yeah, and I know what the third... I, dude, I always think that when I hear these albums. Um, I mean, some of these songs. <laughs> just like, wait. Dude, just like Solitude. There's, I think there's like seven different solitudes and they're all fucking awesome. You got like Overkill Solitude, Sabbath Solitude, um, uh, Candlemass Solitude. You know, it's like, what's, uh, Iced Earth Solitude. Like mm-hmm. four, four different bands, same, same, same name, but amazing, all amazing songs in their own right. And on a quick note, they also have a fade to black as well mm-hmm. as Metallica. But I'm going to say this right now. The bass lines on Doomsday for the Deceiver. Uh, the song, just give me a fucking hard on, bro. Like, goddamn, Jason Newts did, is a, a phenomenal bass player, and it's unfortunate. And I know for him, he probably doesn't give a shit. He made a lot of money. He, he does never has to work again. Uh, but, yeah. it's a, it's a shame that Metallica never gave him, like, his time to shine. You know, I know he has, like, the fucking awesome bass line on, uh, The God That Failed, or whatever, whatever. But, but I don't think he had the time. He had that shine. I mean, this album, dude, if you listen to this album and just like, you can find a way to listen to the bass and how amazing it is, it's fucking phenomenal. Yeah. I'd give Jason Newstead a hammerhead if I ever met him just for this album. Yeah. God, <laughs> yeah. Besides God They Failed, I mean, they really missed out on letting him shine. They, they, re- they did on King Nothing too in the beginning. I mean, right, they, right, right. That's true. They did, but, but they, he, as far as technicality goes, he was so fast and precise and thrash on this record. They really didn't capitalize on his technicality. They could have come out and no, they did. We just can't fucking hear it. That's the problem. I, I really feel like Injustice for All has a whole nother side of that record, man. I feel like it would have made thousands of bass players better if they would have heard that and been like, wow. Cliff died, but, you know, Cliff was a classical bass player with some punk elements. I think they would have been like, this motherfucker is just just pure on thrash metal, and he can, he's heavy, and he can play f- figure bass and everything, and he was, it, it would have been, it would have been a loud and aggressive thrash. It would have been different from mm-hmm. Cliff's playing, but what we needed for that record, man, and they just... Uh, I mean, Lars fucked it up. My understanding is that Lars is the asshole that went in and just, like, turned everything off. What a shithead. Yeah. He is. He's yeah. a dick. Dude, he's a dick. We know That's what Lars I heard, is yeah. a fucking cunt. He's a cunt. He's mm-hmm. a cunt. I've heard the same. Yeah. He's the asshole. You know, and James, look, at the end of the day, when all of these guys are done, it's you're, it's going to be the James Hetfield project or something like that, because he's the only guy that actually writes the fucking music. Yeah. Kirk Hammett doesn't know how to play guitar. Lars Ulrich, we obviously know, doesn't know how to play drums anymore. He He's just a manager, and he's just there to make a, a paycheck, and he likes to beat the cans. And that's it. You can hire any bass player you want now. Rob's just there for a paycheck. We know that. Hey, Rob, here's a million dollars. Will you play Metallica? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Course, you, you know what I'm going to say, Kevin? <laughs> Kevin, yeah. I, I believe that, like, when they worked with Bob Rock, it really changed their style. Yeah, and I think because I I believe like if you listen to some of the solos that Hammett did on like Ride the Lightning and 
Master of Puppets. I think they're pretty fucking good. No, I'm not going to say they're elite status solos, but they're fucking pretty fucking good. No, it, and the it, same it, thing with yeah. you could say Lars is playing on everything up into a Justice for All is pretty yes. good. Oh yes, no, um, no, no, very good, but, very good, very good. Yeah, but but that's the thing. I think the Black Album kind of changed the way, and they made so much fucking money. Did they even have to try? They became a rock band after for fucking years. Well, that's what happened. You know, so they all just said, "I don't know, it, man." They tried. They and, but I they stopped. Yeah, trying. go ahead. Yeah, but I will say that I think James Hetfield to this day is one of the top rhythm guitar players in metal. Even yeah. even after all the bullshit they put out, I, I can't get I I got to get that dude his props. I mean that that yeah. dude's down picking skills. Yeah, and the way he plays, like if you watch him live, like if you just watch him down pick, the dude is a crazy good down picker, man. Yeah, and down picking, you know, I didn't play guitar long. I played it for a couple of years, and but down picking is hard. It's hard to get that hand speed. You know, I got to put yes. him up there with like. An early Max Cavalera or like a Scott Ian, you know. I gotta he's put very, him up with those guys. He, he's very good. Yeah, I I just yeah. I think eventually we'll see. They're gonna eventually. They they can't carry on. I I am seeing it's very it's very easy to see. Uh, Lars is gonna fade out first out of anybody. He will mm-hmm. be. Out. He's gonna have. It's gonna happen. And that's okay. Doug is yawning. Yeah. Oh no no that was the, that was a burp. Um, do you oh, think, there. do you think that at some point Lars is just going to like say, fuck this, I'm going to hire some, some kind of like the, like the thing with Rob is I think Rob's a good fit cause he's from the era. He's from, you know, like bands of the era of the time. Suicidal. But think, yeah. But, uh, but I'm saying like, do you think mm-hmm. Lars would be like, Hey, let's get, you know, maybe the, the drummer from suicidal and, uh, he yeah. can drum and I'll just be the fucking, um, or do you no, think he's just I, always, yeah, gonna, you know who the drummer of suicidal is. Well now it's Lombardo, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, I, I, I think that'd be I cool think, though. Yeah, I think it's gonna be. <laughs> it would be. Yeah. I, I think Dave Lombardo is gonna be in Metallica in the next ten years. Yeah, there's no doubt. I, I, I just think he wants to manage. I think he doesn't want to play. He's just getting lazier and lazier. You know, why not? He, he, he's already made his money. He's made his fame. He's made his fortune. Why not? You know, knowing him, he's gonna, he's like. Have some excuse and then try to just do the managerial yeah. thing. He but, does. He has I the shares. I don't want to. I don't want to. Yeah, I don't want to like speculate on what the fuck they're gonna do. But I don't care either way. Uh, I don't listen to yeah, their shit anyway. I don't care either. I don't care. Neither do I. <laughs> Who's next? Is it me? Uh, I just yeah yeah I just did um flotsam so yeah you brother. It is me. All right, hold on. Let me get it queued up. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I had it queued up, then I had to look up suicidal shit. Guy wanted to make sure they didn't release an album this year, but I'm going with. One of the most aggressive fucking records. The birth of Mr. Gene Hoagland. Yeah. Going with Dark Angel, Darkness Descends, bro. Nice. This album, uh, to me, is one of, like, the best fucking thrash records of all time. Uh, I'm actually reading here uh, on a list from Revolver of 14 thrash albums you need to own. It's ninth. 50 greatest thrash albums of all time. It's on that list. I'm sorry. It's ninth on that. Fourteen. I, actually, no. It's just it's not in an order. So it's one of the fourteen thrash albums you need to own list. And then it's in the top ten albums that are not released by the big four. This album's fucking awesome, man. You know, it's just so fucking aggressive. And me and Doug again got to see them at, at uh, Maryland Death Fest. And they played what? Darkness Descends. I think they played The Burning of Sodom. I think they played. It's awesome. Uh, Perish in Flames, mm-hmm. I believe. 
and maybe Merciless Death. I don't remember, but I think they played maybe those four songs on this record. But the album from front to back, seven fucking songs, weighing it in at a hefty, I think it's 34 minutes, uh, 35 minutes, I'm sorry, in three seconds. Uh, combat records release. Fucking phenomenal, dude. This album from front to, to back, it's just like, like to me, it's like 1986 is bonded by blood. Yes. And it's before they, they had that singer that sounded like he's constipated constantly. Yeah, uh, what was his name? Um, not <laughs> Don, Don was the not original. Not Don Doty. Don yeah. Doty's the original, but the other guy. Uh, I'll look it up. If, if you got something to say about the album, keep going. Um, dude, I just remember delivering from Papa Gino's. Well, no, it was before I delivered Papa Gino's. I was probably only fucking just got my license. So, but I remember getting this on tape and just blasting it in my Cadillac fucking around Waltham for for years. Hey, isn't, um, there, isn't there a thrash band now called Merciless Death? Oh, yes. yeah. Yeah, yeah. 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 Absolutely, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Death is but the, the, I'm sorry. Is not. Ron Reinhardt was the vocalist on the next album. It sounds like he literally needs to take uh, like a diarrhea pill or whatever the fuck they uh, or whatever. <laughs> and get loosened up, you know? Metamucil or whatever the you fuck. Don't, you don't like shit. the follow-up? No, I like it. I just hate the vocals. Like, riff-wise, it's great. But I love, like, Don uh, Doty. I think Don Doty, like, is, like, sheer. Like, again, it, I think it just fits the record, Kevin. Like, we talked about in 85 with, like, Paul Bailoff, how he just fits that record. Yeah. But would he be good on, like, Fabulous Disaster? Probably not. You know, I think this is kind of the same. Like, I think, you know, Don Doty, I don't think he, he's going to fit Time Does Not Heal or even Leave Scars. You know, I just don't think he's going to fit that record. But I think like the first two records we have arrived and, and, uh, which, which could be remastered. I'd love to have that remastered. I want an original version of that. You know how hard it is to get an original version on vinyl of fucking We Have Arrived? Oh dude, super pricey. Super dumb. Yeah, super pricey. But going back to this record, I just think it's, it's just fucking, dude, like, yeah, I just think it fits. I think everything fits and I think it's just like per- perfectly aggressive. And, and, and I, I've told it on the podcast before where Gene Hoagland's the guy who taught Dave Lombardo how to fucking do double bass properly. So, I mean, who's the real best drummer? I know Doug doesn't, you know, we won't get into it, but Gene Hoagland might not be his favorite person. Yeah, yeah, I still respect him as a drummer. <laughs> <laughs> still respect him as a drummer, even though he's yeah. a piece of shit. There was this one <laughs> night where Doug hung out with Kerry King and Gene Hoagland together, and it didn't go well. <laughs> <laughs> but, so I know there was some, like, after this album, um, with Doty and Ron, like some, there's all kinds of drama between one wanting to come back and leaving and coming back and going. Um, but we, well, I'll, I'll do a little more research before we get to like leave scars, um, next year or two years, a couple years actually. But, um, yeah, 89, man, dude. Yeah. Such a fucking banger. Kevin, did you ever get into dark angel? I did. I got into their older material. No, I'm talking about the show with Jessica Alba. Fuck these guys. <laughs> 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 I like that um, too. Yeah, why not? Yeah, that was, that was a good show. I watched on mute. So, <laughs> so I don't want to like go to pull out the vinyl because I don't know where it is because all my shit's kind of disorganized because I took on a roommate and I had to break up my my uh, my fucking record room. So they're all in crates. But uh, I have a, a original version of this and it has like a price tag on it for like nine dollars, like, like from the original store. 
that's cool. Dude, I would yeah. love a... I, I think I have a, um, a repress. I, a, a good amount of my shit is just repressed because, like, it's... You know, you get to the point, it's like, I, I'd rather just listen to it on vinyl. I don't care. But some of them, some things you want. Some things you want original. Especially if it's... Yeah, I mean, yeah. My trick is just keep trying on eBay, and then eventually you'll get one cheap enough. You know, like like I did that with, uh, you know, an album that'll be very high on my list next year, Overkill's Taking Over, and uh, I remember it kept going for like 40, 50 bucks, and I finally landed one because I think everybody who, who wanted it exhausted it, and I got it for like $9 or $10. Yeah, dude, uh, fucking the market, you know, you know you're going to play the market. I got to... Right. There's a fun story about that one, too, next year when we get there, about a, a vinyl I bought off Kevin, but we'll wait till the, the next 87. All right. Was that Popeye? Who's next, man? That was Popeye, yeah, snoring. Yeah. He's snor- Dude, he's what? snoring hard in the background. I knew we would never be done by 1 a.m., so I'm yeah. trying to move it. Go yeah, ahead. Pop- Who's pop- next? I forget. Popeye's that. giving me the, he's the, that signal in the background. Yeah. <laughs> Mr. Barry I is up that next. little motherfucker. Yeah, he's that yeah. Uh, Kevin Barry. Man, I'm not going to lie. I'm trying not to, uh, like, just pick the obvious. I could, I, I could go with some, like, rock records and stuff like this, but I'm gonna, I'm do gonna what go, you want, man. Nah, I'm gonna, you know what? I'm gonna do obscure shit that people should know. Uh, I'm gonna go mm-hmm. with Ruler of the Wasteland by Chastain, 1986. I referenced, wow. I, I, referenced, I referenced Chastain, uh, last year for 85, and they have a second mm-hmm. album they dropped. So they dropped a record in 85, and they fucking dropped a record in 86. Um, this band really deserves a lot of credit, man. I mean, they were on Shrapnel Records. This is their second release. David T. Chastain is a beast of a guitar player. Uh, the band is just ferocious. The lead singer, mm-hmm. you have the same female vocalist. Um, mm-hmm. Again, we go from Mystery of Illusion 85 to Ruler of Wastelands in 86. Awesome artwork, very 80s. I mean, it's just, it's very, very cheesy 80s art, artwork. Um, but that's what you want. I want that. It looks like something you would pull up to on, uh, like uh, on the front, spray painted on the front of a, um, a horror, uh, theme park that you're about to go into from like a shitty carnival. Uh, in your yeah. hometown. Yeah, it looks perfect. like like a Mad Max wasteland. Or yeah, it's something. perfect. It's a, it's yeah. exactly what you want mm-hmm. from the 80s. Um, I mean, you got Ruler of the Wastelands, One Day to Live, The King Has the Power, Fighting to Stay Alive. I mean, this whole fucking record, Angel of Mercy, There Will Be Justice, The Battle of Nevermore, Living in a Dream World, and Children of Eden. It is a great album. I highly suggest it. If, you, if you're a guitar player and you want to listen to some awesome fucking shred, but like I would just say like power metal, um, great power mm-hmm. vocals and everything. It's a great record. I don't know. Check it out, man. Dude. That's all I gotta say. It looks like something that uh, would be the album cover. Looks like it would be something that was airbrushed on like a dude's van that lived down the street that sold all the kids pot. <laughs> yep, Absolutely. in the best way possible. Yep. Yeah, <laughs> yep. Needs more nipple That's though. Hilarious. I love it. Um, yeah. for me, I'm gonna say. Go ahead. Go ahead. I, I was just going to say, I, I I don't know how I got in a Chastain vibe, but it was like, I I think I was I was redoing something in my house, and I'm like, okay, I, I just randomly looked up a band from the 80s, and I'm like, I'm going to just check this band out on, on uh, Apple Music, and 
you know how when you're like, fuck, I really like what I'm listening to? And I just went all day, full-on Chastain the entire day, and I'm like, how did I miss this band from the 80s? It, I, I mm-hmm. loved what I heard, man. From front to back, from the early 80s, I loved everything. Yeah, I, I'm going to say, I think we listened to this after we had a conversation. Uh, we were talking about some shit, and I think we went down a rabbit hole, and I actually listened to some Chastain. And I, and I can't, I'm going to be honest, I don't know if it was this album or their album, Mystery of Illusion, or The Seventh of Never. I don't know. But it was one of those three records. It could have been this one. And I really dug it, but it's just something that I kind of didn't follow up on, maybe because the new Carcass record came out or whatever. But uh, I remember it. I dig, I dig this band. It's a band I need to, like, go into a little further. Cool. But, like, when me and Kevin hang out, we go in a fuck. Actually, me and Doug, too, you know? We go into fucking rabbit holes. When we all three of us hang out, it's me and me and Kevin like dominating, and Kevin and Doug crying in the corner. Because uh, oh, can you play my song? Can you play my song? So all I want uh, is one song. God, you guys are bullies. <laughs> <laughs> so it's 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 one of those things. But I do like this band from what I've heard. Again, can't really. Re- really say if it was this record that I heard, I don't remember. Uh, but I did dig this band when I did check them out. And it's a band I should listen to more. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, I remember remember last time I came up, um, I was on a Wicked Savage Master kick, and Kevin's like, oh, you like female vocals? Like, dude. And then put on Chastain, and I was fucking blown away. And once yeah, again, like, good, man. you don't know. You, I, when I was like, wait a minute. No, this isn't a chick. I'm like, not that it matters, but I'm like, Listening to how brutal her vocals are, I'm like, uh, just really good power vocals, and I'm like, no, that's a dude, that's not a chick, you know, no, I mean it's uh, it's a female, yeah, she's great. And her fucking name is Leather Leone. Yeah, I mean, great scene. Hey, I mean, I don't know why, why your parents named her Leather, but it's fucking cool, bro. <laughs> Leather Leone. <laughs> hey, where are they from, Marco? Uh, they're from Sweden. Oh, okay, I was gonna say they didn't seem very American. Oh, no, I'm sorry. They are American. Apologize. They are American. Uh, what did I see sweet? Oh, the Swedish power metal band Hammerfall covered the song, uh, song Angel of Mercy. Oh, okay. That's what I read. That's why I thought they were from Sweden, but they're actually very American. Okay. Mm-hmm. I say, I, I couldn't, some bands you can kind of tell one way or the other, but them I was kind of, it was 50-50, so. Let me see where they are. They're from um, Cincinnati. Oh, okay. Of all places, man. That's fucking crazy. They're from uh, Cincinnati. What man. other bands are from fucking Cincinnati? Man, man. No metal bands are out yeah. in Cincinnati. I think I think Halloween with an A. No. Yeah, with an A. No, no. They're from Detroit. Oh, they're Detroit. That's what it is. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, that. remember I sent you that little thing of that dude Rapones quoting them? His brother was in that band. Oh, that's right. That's right. Dude, I, yeah, Ken, yeah, did you ever get the Halloween? With an A, uh, with an A, Halloween. I yeah. think you, I think you had me listen to a record, but it never really stuck, man. Oh, dude, it's so good. You're, it's clean. It's clean vocals, not harsh. It's like, it's almost like, uh, all right, uh, dude, what year did that come out, Marco? Is it almost like Hollow's Eve? Oh, I don't know, man. It reminds yeah, me of a minute on that. It's like Hollow's Eve meets Omen, and like. Two, two of my like favorite bands, and that's why like I'm like fuck like it just it, it slapped. 
I want to say it was pretty early. It might be. I'm going to laugh if it was 86. It's coming up now. Give me a second. But who, Doug, who's next your, out of yeah, curiosity? Doug's, Doug's next. All right. So you guys are going to yell at me for this one because it's kind of a two. It's kind of a double, but it's same year. So same band, same year. Um, Cinderella. Cinderella. Came out with an EP and a full length the same it, year. Real, no, real quick, Doug. Real quick before you go on. They formed in 83. I don't remember what your initial question was about Halloween. What what album? Um, uh, I don't know the fucking don't, name of them. Don't Meddle with Evil. No one yes. gets out. Yep, Don't Meddle with Evil. Okay, 85. There you go. 85. Fuck, I missed that. I would I would have picked that early synonymal mention for last year. but Hey, we're mentioning it now, so that's all that matters, all right? Yeah. Kevin, I'll send you a song and just give one more listen. You might love it, you might hate it, but... It's not harsh, it's not heavy, it's kind of clean vocals, it's got good rhythms, it's one of their songs has a video with Halloween 3 involved, so All I'll right. send it to you. Alright, so my All my, right, uh, dog. my fourth pick is going to be, uh, I'm going with Creator, Flag of Hate, slash Pleasure to Kill. One was uh, full length, obviously, Pleasure to Kill, and then um, the EP Flag of Hate, man, which uh, I, I'm not even sure why they kind of released it the same year. I don't know which came first, the chicken or the egg here. April 1st for Pleasure no, no, to what Kill. Came for, the came first was Flag of Hate. Well, no, well, on Metallum, it's August 4th for Flag of Hate and um, April 1st for Pleasure to Kill. So. Oh, I'm wrong. Okay, never mind. It's kind of weird. Um, so, dude, mm-hmm. we'll, we'll start off. We'll touch base on the other one. But, dude, uh, Pleasure to Kill, man. What a... Um, Super influential album. Just the speed, the lyrics, the fucking songs. It's just, this is a, a super banger, too. Um, my one beef, and I think a lot of people have the same thing, is just the quality kind of is slightly lacking. You know, and this is a year after Endless Pain came out, which I talked about. And um, even that one had a little bit better quality for a year earlier. So I don't know why this one. Is there a story there, Marco? Do you know? Uh, no, I don't know. I think it was just, uh, they probably didn't have a budget, is my guess. Uh, and maybe their producer wasn't as good as their first one, even though they didn't have a budget on that. Yeah. I'm not good. sure. But this, this album's fucking classic. It doesn't matter. No, Ripping it... Corpse, fucking Riot of Violence, The Pestilence, fucking Under the Guillotine. Those songs are, are, are fucking staples, man. And those songs I can hear. I could listen to any day of the week. I mean, I fucking love those songs. Dude, um, it's a classic put, record. I do have my, my beefs with the production, but I can't deny what they were doing at the time. You know, it was definitely very, uh, we talked about like in 85, like Hello Waits being kind of a precursor to death metal. And yep. I think this album was also kind of a precursor to death metal, even though I know whatever fucking Seven Churches was out at the time. But to me, Seven Church is just a heavy fucking thrash record. Um, but they coined they coined death metal, so that's why they I think they get the uh, death metal love. Yeah, but I, I think mean, this 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 really progressed the death metal genre, which is one of my favorite genres. So for me, this album stands up. I mean, it's just fucking fantastic in every sense of the word, man. I, I don't know. I, I can't say enough about it. And, and I'm going to shut the fuck up because I can, I can literally go on for minutes. Yeah, no, th- this amazing album, like you said, um, super influential. And one quick funny thing on this one here. Um, so track number three is Death is Your Savior. 
on one, I, I've had multiple albums over the years, and one of them said, death is your saber, death is your savior, and the other one is death of your savior. And I still don't mm-hmm. know, is it death is your savior, not death of your savior? Did, well, from what I'm reading, it's death is your savior. And who does the vocals on it, Doug? I'm guessing Ventor. He does. Yeah. Uh, fun fact is Ventor scales back his vocals a little bit. He only does three songs on this record. And I think this might be the last album he does vocals on, unless it's maybe one a one-off on another record. He might I'm pretty do, sure Petroza takes... Huh? He might do... Like, what about, um, like, um, Flag of Hate? Hold on. Let's see. Okay, so maybe the EP, but I'm, I'm talking full length. Oh, full length. Okay. So you don't think he did yeah, it yeah. on Terrible Certainty? Uh, I don't think he did. Uh, I listened to that album a thousand times. Sounds like all Petroza to me. Drums, vocals, tracks. your savior. Track four Riot on Terrible Certainty, which would be okay. As okay. the World Burns. Awesome. Okay, so he, he does touch on that album, so. But, uh, like but does say, he do it solo is my question. As the World Burns. I'm trying to think of the fucking world. It's, I don't know. I remember Petroza. But he also did uh, Command of the Blade on this record anyway. Oh, okay. That's cool. I, I like how they kind of have, like, you know, dual dual singers, you know, on some of the songs, or sw- mm-hmm. switch off. Um, the other one I just want to touch upon. Oh, real- so, real quick, I'm sorry, Doug, I'm sorry. He does co-lead vocals, so they do alternate on that song. So it is both of them. Okay. Okay. Still cool, though, you know, look. Especially being a drummer and singer, singing, you know, I always thought that was a super cool, uh, mm-hmm. you know, skill. Um, so I just want to touch on Flag Hate, the EP that came out the same year. Um, Flag Hate was obviously the song itself was on um, uh, Endless Pain, but then you get Take Their Lives, which has one of the best fucking riffs in German metal, I think, and Awakening of the Gods, which are just two fucking absolute amazing songs in my book. But. Um, yeah. Yeah. Super cheesy fucking uh, cover, which I love. It's just, it says creator with a hand. It's got a big cock on it. That's gonna be, yeah. Oh, you talk, oh, you're talking about Pleasure to Kill? Or Flag of Hate? Mm-hmm. Oh, sorry, my apologies. Yeah, yeah got, on my wall, I got the big flag, and every time Marco comes over, he stares at it and says that fucking the dude's arm looks like, looks like a big cock, but. So yeah, we, we, we could have a whole, we're gonna have to do a whole German, a German, uh. Yeah. Thrash, yeah. Um, the podcast, but the podcast, so, the podcast. So, but that's all right. an idea, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. I mean, because we could talk for me. Fucking... Me and Margo could ahead. talk for hours about it. Yeah. All right. Who's up next? Kevin. Kevin. Kevin hates creator. It sucks that Kevin doesn't like stuff we like, so he doesn't have nothing to say. I think you have pretties album covers from Germany, yeah. <coughs> I like the colors. Well, yeah. Anyway, you classic record, colors. very influential, like Doug said. Awesome. You have and I'm pretty sorry, colors I cut you on off, your Kevin. album covers, yeah. <laughs> was that was that your Are pick, we... Marco? No. Is yeah. it mine? It's your turn, right? Because it goes. Oh, Doug just went. Yep, I just went. Yeah, sure. I'm yeah, so it goes I'm to fine you. With it. Yeah, it goes to you. I so, uh, I got it. So this is uh, my actual favorite fucking record, quite possibly of all time. Um, don't know why. More crossover, maybe even more hardcore. I don't know. But I could not fucking leave it out, dude. It's uh, the Chromex 
Age of Quarrel. Ooh, nice. Um, are you pissing? Are you I, pissing while you tell us it's your favorite record? I'm not pissing. I'm not right. pissing. Sounds like you're dripping. Some, I, I think Doug is pissing. I hear drippy, I hear drippy dong. I just hear drippy dong. In yeah, the it's, it's Doug. It's, it's Doug. Because the way he said, I'm not pissing, was very guilty. Very. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. And you, and you flush this with, what the fuck, Doug? I'm always getting disrespectful. I'm always getting disrespected during the Cro-Mags. I remember when we all wow. went to whatever show was with the with oh, obituary, wow. and I'm, I'm I'm texting Kevin. Kevin and Doug are on the way, and I have their tickets or whatever it was, and fucking, and I'm like, where are you guys? I want to see the Cro-Mags, and Kevin's giving me shit. Like, we'll get there when we get there, <laughs> or whatever. <laughs> fucking piss me the fuck off, man, because oh, it's yeah. like my favorite band, and they literally play this album all the time. Um, this album, uh, super influential, um, I, a band that I wish could get their shit together and fucking get along, and, and, and that's their problem. Their first two releases are absolutely amazing. The Age of Quarrel, if you want just more of a rugged crossover vibe, is great. Best Wishes, if you want more of a thrash vibe, and maybe a little more melody, you got that. But we'll talk about Age of Quarrel. Uh, we got to know one of the most iconic videos. I think it was like the first video to feature like stage diving and moshing really heavily. And it really kind of like they were played on Headbangers Ball and it really kind of pushed them in a direction. And they got tours with Megadeth and Motorhead because of it. And they were growing really big. And unfortunately, they just could not get along. Um, uh, in 2005, The Age of Coral was ranked 274th uh, Rock Hard Magazine's book of 500 greatest rock and metal albums of all time. This album, again, super influential. They influenced fucking tons of bands. Uh, I, again, crossover. Well. And, a, and a, another fun fact about this record is it was actually supposed to come out in like 84. And they came out, actually, I think Doug prefers the other release of this. I do. It came out with kind of a more raw version, and it was called Age of Coral as well, but it was just a, like a simple black album cover. It didn't have like the atomic bomb and the red and the black and the beautiful album cover that it has. Um, but I'm pretty sure, Doug, you did like that version better, right? You thought it was a little more raw, a little more. I, I like the something. more raw. Yeah, absolutely. And I don't, I don't know why, because yeah. yeah, I, I, I know them both, but for some reason the raw one kind of, it just had more feel. More aggression to it, I thought. Which I right. mean, they they both I, do, but. No, I get that. I mean, I think I think with me was at the time you couldn't find the before. It's called before the quarrel. Now they re-released it as before the quarrel, but uh, you couldn't find that back in the day. So for me, growing up, when I was like a thirteen, fourteen year old kid, whenever I bought the record, you could only find this version. So this version's all I knew until Spotify. To be honest. So when did Spotify come out? Whatever that is, five years I've had Spotify. So, um, so for me, it's just I think it's just more nostalgia. But I understand. I agree with that fucking the rawness. But listen, this is an album I can talk about for hours. I'm gonna shut the fuck up because uh, I could literally go off and I could talk. About, I could literally break down every song on this record, and I'm not gonna because I know we're on a time crunch. All right, I'm gonna change so. the pace and I'm gonna go to. Some doom metal. Uh, we're we're gonna bring back this the, for whatever reason. The '80s completely split, as we've talked about before. 
and we started to see a resurgence in uh, Sabbath's version of metal. Um, they they started to call it doom metal, and one of the bands who really really brought this sound back was uh, Candlemass, and their debut, Epicus, Doomicus, Metallicus, really built the foundation for the next wave of Black Sabbath. Um, it's a great record. These guys are from Sweden. Um, came out in June of 86. Yeah, man, it's a great record. You guys got anything to say about uh, Metallic, uh, Epicus, Dumicus, Metallicus? And by the way, the singer from this record is back on the band, which is cool. He touched my luggage. I bet he did, Doug. I bet he touched my luggage. <laughs> we, we're on the cruise. Uh, I, I, he, I, <laughs> go, go ahead. ahead. <laughs> go ahead. We were on the cruise and we were going through like customs coming back to fucking or whatever off some island, wherever the hell we were going. But he was like whatever with us in the airport and uh, he, he, he walked real close to me with his bag and he hit my bag with my bag. And I'm like, yeah, they have a song called Solitude. Yep. Which I mentioned a few minutes ago. Yeah. Which Demons I think Gage, is awesome. Crystal Ball, Blackstone, Wielder. Uh, uh, Under the Oak. Under the Oak, bro. Yeah, man. Yeah, Sorcerer's Pledge. Pledge. Under the Oak is my personal favorite. Solitude is my second favorite. But. Dude, they killed it. They killed it live. Uh, me and Marco saw them on the, the last cruise um, back in 2020, and they fucking they, they were awesome. They fucking killed it. I think I even they got a guitar it, pick, yeah. too. I had to, like, oh, yeah. fight a, yeah. you know, some broad to get a guitar pick. That's oh, awesome. that's the one where Doug, like, did a full-out dive. No, that really was... a full-out fucking dive. <laughs> I've never seen a fat guy dive so heavy. That was, hey, no, that was yeah, on Barge they... to Hell. They recently had oh, a Grammy, clear. too, man. They had a Grammy nomination, which is massive for these guys. That was because Tony Iommi was on the album. I know. Yeah, I get that. Yeah. That was a publicity stunt, maybe, Look, or yeah, whatever, PR stunt. I'm going to say this, and I'm not, like, trying to diminish the album, because this is probably my favorite Doom record of all time. But I'm sick of them getting credited as being, like, the first Doom out, uh, like band. Because hey, you know, cause a lot of people will say that. They're like, it's not true. Like, no, bands like Sabbath. Trouble were already doing the thing. Yeah, mm-hmm. but, I mean, Sabbath, I mean, period. So, I, I can't stand when they're like, wow, this was the first. No, no, fuck you. The foundation was Sabbath, and you're all just copying them. So, it doesn't matter. Nobody nobody did the first. No, but I'll, I'll say of the Revival Acts, I think Trouble is a band, if you haven't checked them out, please do. They had a great release in uh, 85, and I can't remember the name of it, and... uh Right off the bat, because I don't have 85 up. But that's a band I suggest, honestly. Like, I hate to fucking diminish Candlemass, because I love Candlemass. Candlemass's first three, four records, I fucking, I'm in love with all of them, including this one. Um, But, dude, listen to fucking Trouble, man. Yeah, Trouble. Please. Doesn't, um... Fucking love Trouble. What's his name from Exhorter sing for Trouble now? He does. Kyle Thomas, Yeah, yeah, he sings for them. Yeah, and then I didn't realize um, Robert Lowe, not Rob Lowe, um, from Solitude Eternising for Candle Mass from 07 to 2012, which I... I yeah, he was in the movie called uh, Tommy Boy as well. <laughs> dude, that guy ages backwards, I'm telling you. He's like Paul Rudd. Yeah, that dude's fucking amazing, bro. I just watched uh, Ghostbusters with Paul Rudd. But the and new that one? fucking dude for like a 55-year-old is fucking... He, he looks great. He does. I would fuck him. (laughs) I think it was good. Yeah, I think they paid really good homage. Uh, One thing I will say about it, if you 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 relate it to the original series, it's they definitely pay homage to it. 
and I think you'll appreciate it. Like, I think the new Candyman, uh, you'll hate the political agenda of it, because, Kevin, I know how you are, but I think you'll like it that it relates to the first movie. And I think as long as it relates to the original movie in any way, I think I think you'd appreciate it. Like, the fucking 2016 Ghostbusters was a travesty. And I hate to say it, because if it was, like, its own movie at that time, it might have been fine, but... When you're trying to reboot something that was like classic, you got to do a really good job. And they didn't. I don't care if it's just because it's female, so that's not why I didn't like it. I just thought the movie sucked. Mm. So I like females. I like booty. I like <laughs> boobies. You know what I mean? I'm okay with watching females. I love Kristen Wiig. She's one of my favorite fucking actresses, of fucking in general, comedic actresses. And uh, that movie sucked. Yeah, that's but anyway, sorry. Back to yeah. Gandalf. <laughs> um, yeah. So yeah, Candlemas, um, great album. But like, like Kevin said, it or what one of you guys said, um, you know, they always kind of get credited with starting, or I guess yeah, I guess starting Doom. But no, that's true. It's like Black Sabbath, even Trouble, like you said. There's Saint Vitus, which I think came out the same year. Pentagram a couple years before. They. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's, but they, they had a certain sound and they kind of went with it and, you know, they did well for themselves, so can't knock them. Don't get me wrong. I think Candle Mass is the best band out of all those bands. I just don't like that they get, a lot of people credit them with being like the beginning of Doom. You know, I just don't like that. That's all. But they are my favorite. Nightfall, this, Ancient Dreams. Ancient Dreams, bangers. yeah. All three. Fuck Nightfall, yeah. bangers. All of them. Fucking bangers. And I, I'm telling you, if we get to whatever year Age of Dreams came out, that might be my number one record of that year because that album is just so fucking good to me. Wow. But my favorite song, again, I said it already, Under the Fucking Oak, Song Rules. Nice. Great album. Who's next? Good, good choice. Uh, I think you are. I just went with the Chromax, bro. Oh, so it's me then. Can we... Yes, yeah. it's, it's, it's got to be Slay or Rain of Blood, bro. Oh, oh, they're up. Did they they made the list. If they made, I hope so. I think you you're the one who took them. Kidding. <laughs> this guy. I think we're done with our like five picks. So uh, this would this is my fifth pick, but that so let's do it. Obviously, it's gonna be Slayer. I'll save him for last because I I figured it might have been a good discussion, but now we're fucking Kevin's sleeping over there. I think. Nah, no, he's fine. <laughs> Kevin, you there? Yeah. Kevin's Kevin is dead. sleeping. Jesus Christ. <laughs> All right. Let's, well, let's fucking do it. Hopefully it records. Hopefully. Oh, uh, yeah, dude. So fucking 1986, released October 7th, Slayer's Rain of Blood, man. Fucking, what an absolute fucking banger this one is. Uh... I mean, I don't even know, there's so much to say about it, I don't even know what to say about it. You know what I mean? If you know it, you know it, and you know it fucking slams. Dude, it's arguably the be- the the most, uh, you know, I'll argue that this might be more influential than the, 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 the album we're going to discuss at number one. I kind of think uh, so, it, but. It, it really influenced a lot of, like, black metal, a lot of fucking death metal, and I think Slayer just kept going from Hello Eights and just, Took it to a level. I mean, fuck it, dude. Uh, what's on this? I, let me look at the tracks. I know it's 28 minutes long or so. 29. We'll say 29. We'll round it up. And it's got 10 tracks. Yeah, I hear postmortem from the background, so Kevin's alive. 
That's good. <laughs> Dude, yeah. Angel of death, piece by piece, necrophobic, altars of <laughs> altar of sacrifice, Jesus saves, criminally insane, reborn, ec- epidemic, post morbid, rain and blood, dude. Like, what a fucking. Just fantastic album. Dude, I... Good. No, I'm just going to say, it's like one of those non skip records. Like, like I talked about in 85 with, like, uh, Exodus Bonded by Blood. It's just one of those albums you do not skip. You just listen to the whole fucking thing. And it all goes so well together. Every song goes into every song. Rick Rubin, honestly, uh, might be the pinnacle of his producing career. You know, yeah. like in metal anyway. You know, like the dude put together a record that just literally, like every song goes into every song perfectly. Yeah. they, they, like, they You know what I'm saying, Doug? They definitely know. You're right. It's like it's almost like one big song, like one long song, but but not. Obviously, it's an album, but it's just done very well. Where it flows so good. Um, like alter a sacrifice into Jesus saves. Great record, dude. Uh, unbelievable. Like Angel of Death, write it a piece by piece. Mm-hmm. But then obviously the most famous is Postmortem into Raining Blood. Dude, I think Epidemic into Postmortem, Postmortem into Raining Blood. I always, like... All of it. Epidemic just has that fucking, just, like you said, goes so well, but, like, I always consider, like, I can't listen to Postmortem without Epidemic first, or else it doesn't feel right. hmm You know, and then, you could, I guess you could say that, keep going down the line, but... Yeah, man, I think this really um, set the stage, like you said, for a lot of other genres, especially, like, especially death metal. I know we talked about the enslaved, <coughs> excuse me, um, death metal argument, where I can kind of see, like, bands like Malevolent Creation... You know, like that kind of had that, you know, heavy guitar tone and speed, you know, then with the heavier vocals. Like I could see how that mm-hmm. kind of progressed from an album like this to, you know, uh, Slaughter of Innocence, not Slaughter of Innocence, um, Retribution, you know? It's right. Just ha- I don't know, man. It's just, this is just a fucking classic. Yeah. I mean, there's so many people I can, I can literally like read off like Paul from Cannibal Corpse stated Lombardo's performance of the album helped him play faster throughout his career, even though Paul's not the greatest drummer of Cannibal, but, uh, Kelly Schaefer of Atheist, which is a very nice guy. We've both spoken to him. Mm-hmm. When Rain of Blood came out, it changed everything. That is easily the best extreme metal record ever. And, 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 and it's not even my favorite personal favorite Slayer record, but dude, I can't deny what it did and i know it's their biggest record even though it's not my personal favorite it's their biggest fucking record and might be dude i could argue that this album in extreme metal is the greatest record of all time in the in the metal genre the metal realm extreme oh extreme yeah sorry i didn't hear yeah because i don't consider metallica even even during master i don't consider them extreme I consider this to be like the first real extreme metal record, maybe aside from Possessed. Mm-hmm. I definitely maybe do. actually Hello Waits, even Hello Waits, whatever came out first, you know, uh, and, and their EP. All right, I'm fuck. I don't know what the fuck I'm talking about because Haunted the Chapel, the EP was extreme as fuck. Chemical Warfare is fucking insane, mm-hmm. you know. So I don't know, man. It, it, it's just one of those albums that just has a legacy about it, and people will forever quote this is one of their favorite records along with master of puppets you know so that's why 
Uh, I, and I know we're, we're spoiling what's going to be number one, Master of Puppets, but it's, you know, it's just one of those albums, like, it's not my pick, Master of Puppets, but it's it's an album I can't deny its legacy, you know, and this is one of those albums, even if you don't like it, like, that's one of those things with Slayer, is they fucking, a lot of people talk shit now. Oh, I don't like Slayer. But if it was a Slayer, you wouldn't like Suffocation, or you wouldn't like Morbid Angel. Yeah, like Slayer's you know what I'm dad, saying? Slayer's dad rock or fucking dude. I always yeah. see, I always see these edge lords on um on fucking like some like the Facebook pages, metal pages I follow. And there's always some kid once a week like, oh, does anyone actually really listen to Slayer? You know what I mean? I I don't know if he's just looking for attention. I'm like, dude, get a get a dog. You know, if you're looking for attention, mm-hmm. like get a pet. Like, dude, I'm like, like you said, even if you don't love them you got to at least respect them and what they did for the genre, you know, whether it's, right. I'm sure like, um, you know, all the, I don't even know some of the screamo bands that we wouldn't normally listen to. You know what I mean? I'm sure a lot of them were influenced when they were younger with their, the guitar playing, their drum playing, you know, with these early albums, you know? So. No. And, and that's the thing, Doug, I get the age gap thing with that, but it's, it's, it's just respect the fucking like respect the torch, bro. You know, you got to respect it all the way back to Rainbow or whatever, you know. It's just one of those things, man. Slayer created death metal. And it's funny, all these motherfuckers, I love In Flames or something, right? But without Slayer, In Flames might have not been In Flames. And I'm not saying, I know they got a melodic, but they got some fast shit, especially in the earlier stuff. Mm -hmm. You know, I think Slayer helped influence that style. In general, death metal, which led to melodic death metal, which led to whatever the fuck death metal is today. You know, that's all. I mean, I know At The Gates is another band you could say. I mean, I know that's a little later, but At The Gates, like metalcore. Like, if you listen to Killswitch Engage, there's so much At The Gates in it, it's unbelievable. Oh, fuck yeah. And, you know, obviously number one, which we'll get there eventually, but like fucking... Nah, actually, I'm not gonna mention because we're a few years away. I thought they were a little bit earlier, but, but yeah. Kevin, so. you there? Kevin. <laughs> Kevin. <laughs> yeah, this, oh, this is able- kind of terrible. I hope this fucking actually pans out because we stayed up late to do this. Yeah, you fucks. I wanted to go to bed like a good boy on a Saturday night. Yeah. Got. I knew. It would, you know what? I knew when he said 16 records, there was never a way we we're gonna keep it to an hour. It's, it, dude, we're supposed to be done at one. It's one forty-two. <laughs> this was the shutoff. That's it. Yeah, we're all right. So basically, there we're, he is. We're just gonna talk about Master Pop real quick, and yeah, we're at number one. So let's do it. Let's do it. Kevin, lead us off, bro. Talk so you stay awake. Oh man, I mean, number one, it's just a, I mean, it's a pinnacle album for a lot of bands. Um, uh, how could I do this other than? Master of Puppets, man, for Metallica. It's uh, Cliff's last record, and he shines on it. There's a lot of great uh, classical moments from Cliff, and it, it it's just a great record, man. I mean, a lot of bands cite them as an influence from this album specifically. They don't talk about Ride the Lightning. They don't talk about Kill Em All. Everyone always says Master of Puppets is the album, blah, blah, blah. So, yeah, man, I mean, for me, it was an, it's an amazing record. Uh, Damage Inc., Come on. I mean, do I have to say more about the album? That song alone, dude, Damage Inc. is killer. Oh, yeah. yeah. Possibly my favorite my Metallica favorite song. song of the album. Yeah. Wow. You guys, that's crazy. 
So why for you, know you guys? Why Damage Inc? Why is Damage Inc one of your favorite tracks? Uh, the aggression, bro. Sheer yeah. aggression. Speed, man. Speed and, and aggression. Just, yeah. And it's got this fucking insane riff throughout the whole thing. It's like, you know, if you compare it to like Dyer's Eve on uh, Injustice. It's just amazing. It's just so fucking fast. It's just like, just the way they're playing, you think it's amazing. I don't know, man. I just remember sitting in, in my fucking kitchen when I was a kid. And my parents had one of those big fucking, like, liquor cabinets. Like, you guys ever have those shit, the liquor cabinets, like, audio system things? Oh, yeah, yeah, like, no. um, yeah, I know what you're they talking about. They had, like, about. a cassette player, a record player, like, an 8-track player, but they'd also have, like, a place to put liquor. Yeah, like, it was, like, a little compartment or, like, a little, like, almost like a bar. It was, like, an entertainment center, but... Yeah, a little bar, true. yeah, but it had, like, entertainment, yeah. That's awesome. So I would sit there, I would I would play my Metallica tapes, and I would sit there with a broom, and those songs are the ones that spoke to me, the fast ones, because at the time, they just seemed like they were the fucking most intricate and, and, and hardest to play. You know, I remember doing that with fucking uh, Holy Wars, <laughs> you know, because Holy Wars was just so amazing when I was fucking 11 years old or 12 years old, you know, but uh, my favorite personal song is Disposable Heroes. Yeah. Um, Fuck yeah. Love that fucking jam. It's just my favorite. It might be my favorite Metallica song of all time, to be honest. Uh, hmm. And I'm one of those guys, I'm a big Kill, uh, Kill 'em All fan, uh, because Kill 'em All just kind of was the gateway and uh, the aggression on it. I love James's voice on it. But this album, I can't deny, man. Yeah, Michael Alago signed him for this record. You guys know Michael Alago? No. Oh, you guys should check that out, man. There's actually a documentary. Kind of hard to find right now, but it's getting re-released. It's called uh, Who the Fuck is That Guy? Mm-hmm. The Life of Michael Alago. And he actually signed Metallica. He's like a Puerto Rican kid from New York who got like um, a record. Uh, he got a job as an A&R for Electra Records. And he loves heavy fucking music. And uh, even to this day, he listens to the heaviest shit. And uh, he's the dude who who literally got Metallica to sign on to Elektra and got him the big contract and all that shit. Wow. So he's the dude who saw who saw them and made them big. And Megadeth was targeted. And, uh, and even Dave Ellison, I saw him in an interview the other day, mentioned that if it wasn't for Alago, he doesn't think that major labels would have had an interest and they wouldn't have gotten the capital deal because of him, because he showed interest in them and capital, because he showed interest, capital signed them. Like They're like, all right, we'll give you this. Wow. So, but if you ever get a chance, watch that. It's called Who the Fuck is That Guy? The Journey of Michael Lago. Great, great documentary. All right. Let me know uh, if you ever come and, across it again. Oh, I own it. Dude, you have it. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Then. My favorite. But yeah, man, it, it, it's phenomenal, dude. I, I, again, I don't want to keep going. I, I'm fucking going off like crazy. I was ready to do this podcast tonight. So, um, you I, guys go. You guys yeah. talk about it. For whatever reason, I mean, just as a kid, my favorite song has always been and will always be Welcome Home Sanitarium. Yeah, good song. Good song. I mean, dude, that song's phenomenal. That's the thing about this album, though. What song isn't phenomenal on this album? (laughs) Yeah, yeah. You know, the instrumental is fucking amazing. And I remember asking you guys, and and me, I go the other way, but I, I love them both. But, like, do you like... Orion or Call of Cthulhu, what's the better 
instrumental to you guys. And uh, we've talked about this before, but what is the better one? For me, Orion, man. I mean, fuck. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Orion. Dude, that's a tough one, man. I, I might have to go Orion, just because, like, that fucking, like, the middle part. Again, and that's what, if, if I remember correctly, guys, that's what you said before. And, uh, I'm the, I think I'm the only one that prefers Cthulhu, because I, I love, I, I personally like Ride the Lightning better. Um, I'm sorry. I know, Kevin, what you said is like a lot, you know. Oh, it's a heavy. I, I don't remember how you opened it, but record. you were talking shit about Ride the Lightning, but no, I, I, no, I prefer no. Ride, the, Ride the Lightning. Ride the Lightning is a heavier record, dude. I, no, I love Ride the Lightning. I, yeah. dude, I love it front to back. I think it's a heavier record, but I think, uh, I, I think Master <laughs> Puppets, man, is there, I mean, it's still heavy. But it's just their, it is their mainstream breakthrough record, man. It is their mainstream breakthrough. I remember even oh, like, absolutely. I remember Chuck saying like, um, there was an interview with him. I don't know. I think it was when Contro- Control Denied came out. Um, I think it was like an interview around that time, but he was just talking about like, you know, he was asked what his plans were, you know, and he's like, I want to create like the perfect album, like, you know, Painkiller or like Master of Puppets. And those were his two kind of examples of like perfect albums and that always kind of stuck out with me um especially painkiller which i mean definitely a great album but uh you know compared to like say master of puppets you know which i, I do find flawless you know yeah it's flawless. yeah it's amazing i, I, amazing I would record. say though man i would say equally i mean ride the lightning's flawless oh yeah and, and i agree with marco i think if i had to choose i would probably go with ride the lightning even though some of my favorite songs are on Master of Puppets.